Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Manpreet and welcome to this week's Through the Noise podcast, where we take a look at recent developments, put them in a long-term context and also identify potential opportunities for more nimble investors. Now, the long-term context is a particular focus today, given we've just published our monthly global market outlook. Last month, we laid out a three-hour strategy, which we argued was an effective way to navigate what is still a challenging market conditions through the fourth quarter of this year. Now, to remind our listeners, the three hours we identified were rebalance into investment-grade corporate bonds and some deeply undervalued stock markets, rotate into high-quality income assets, and risk manage via hedges and cash. Now, today I'm joined by Abhilash, who's going to help help us discuss whether this 3R strategy remains valid today and what it means for how investors should respond in, given the events of the past month. So welcome, Abhilash. Thanks for joining us. Um, so it's Halloween next week, and markets have, if anything, been far too early in giving investors a fright. Is the 3R strategy still the best way to balance the risk and reward in markets today? Thanks, Manpreet. Good to be back. In short, yes, we continue to think that the 3R strategy still remains relevant for investors today. Now, since we introduced the 3R strategy last month, we've received a few popular questions, right? So the first question is whether the rebalancing part of the 3R strategy still remains relevant given the recent rebound we've seen in, uh, in U.S. equity markets. Now, if we dive into that, there are a few drivers behind the recent equity market rally. The first is, you know, several indicators argue that markets were oversold or the sentiment was quite bearish. Uh, the second was that, you know, markets failed to break through the key technical support around 200 week moving average that we had highlighted last month. And the third is that Q3 US earnings have surprised positively. Now, that's obviously relative to the lower market expectations. But that being said, we continue to see any such rebound as a temporary bear market rally, given that 12-month earnings expectations still have room to be revised lower you know, amid the still elevated recession risk. So we think that rebalancing towards high-quality bonds still remains relevant today. The second question that we've received is whether Asian and UK equities continue to offer a rebalancing opportunity. Now, over a 6- to 12-month horizon, we certainly think they do. Uh, of late, Chinese equities, uh, which are the largest component of U.S. equities, have remained under pressure. And the weakness has meant that valuations today are not far from the 2008 crisis lows. Now, in our assessment, this means that uh, the case for rebalancing remains intact, even if the catalyst is currently absent. The other major market uh, within Asian equities is Indian equities, which is a preferred market for us. And we expect it to outperform given the relative economic and strong earning, earnings growth advantage. And the third question that we've gotten is, you know, how long could uh, the U.S. government bond yields continue to rise and whether that that could stand in the way of taking advantage of the yields today for for quality income assets. Now, overall, we we think that the risk reward uh, continues to favor taking advantage of yields today, uh, particularly on any spike. So net net, uh, we think the three hour strategy still remains valid. Thanks, Abhilash. Um, I wanted to dig deeper into that last point you made on yields. Now, I was looking at the chart of investment-grade corporate bonds in, in developed markets, um, and I saw that the asset class yield is now well into pre-2008 territory. Can you help our listeners understand why we advocate starting to take advantage of those yields now and not waiting out the end of volatility in the safety of cash? 
thanks, Manfred. That's a very good question, especially given the volatility we've seen in bond markets, uh, which remains very, very high. Uh, just for context, we have seen 10-year U.S. Treasury yields rise by nearly 1.7% from peak to trough uh, since since August. Uh, and, you know, the risk of high yields remains a key headwind for income assets uh, because higher bond yields uh, mean lower bond prices. And I agree with you that it's, it's tempting to wait uh, out for bond market volatility in safety of other assets such as cash, which uh, no longer offer zero yield. But we think that, you know, while there is a place for cash and asset allocations, uh, this does not uh, detract us from, you know, or does not hold us back from adding high quality income assets for three key reasons. So the first one is, if you look at the yields, uh, as you alluded to, today, investors can get 5.5% yield on DMIG corporate bonds, 7% yield on multi-asset income strategies, and around 8% yield on Asian dollar bonds. So while admittedly uh, the price volatility uh, is visible upfront, but if investors enter today, they can collect the yield by staying invested for the next 12 months. The second point is, if you look at the higher yields, they also mean that uh, over a 12 to 18 month horizon, the, the yield will uh, form an increasingly larger component of returns, which helps reduce the sensitivity of bond returns to price changes uh, led by government bond yields. And third is that if investors add exposure today well into the Fed hiking cycle, that does lower the reinvestment risk, uh, which is which, which just means that the risk that bond yields are much lower in a year's time, potentially forcing investors to accept lower income at that point could be mitigated by, by adding into bonds today. So the, the last point I think is interesting because, uh, look, the question of a Fed pivot is, is a point that, that continues to come up. And it's interesting that in, in over the past month, we've seen a couple of central banks, in particularly in Australia and Canada, at least start to slow the pace of their rate hikes. Now, I acknowledge it might be a little early to ask this question, but what can history tell us about market behavior when central banks pause or reverse their rate hiking cycle? Is that the time to jump wholeheartedly into riskier assets like stocks? Well, yes, that's that's a very pertinent point and one that has been gathering steam over the past few few weeks. Now, when we talk about a Fed pivot, there are two essential things that we are looking at, right? The timing of the Fed pivot and the market implications. So if you look at the uh, at the timing aspect, right, uh, Fed Chair Powell has given us three clear criteria that he will use to decide when is it appropriate to stop hiking. Uh, the first one is a below trend growth for, the, for a sustained period. The second one is softening of labor markets. And the third is a clear evidence that inflation is moving back towards its 2% target. Now, if you look at the, the third quarter US GDP, which was better than expected and has eased recessionary fears after two consecutive quarters of, uh, of negative uh, GDP, uh, you could argue that, uh, you know, the economy may not be in as bad shape as as it was uh, a few uh, a few quarters back but then again a large part of the growth came from transitory jump in net exports which is not expected to be repeated right if you look at labor markets if you look at inflation we think that there are limited signs that would justify a fed pivot anytime soon so uh, if you move to the next part which is what are the market implications if you look at the history of previous head, uh, fed rate hiking cycles two key learnings stand out the first one is that 10-year U.S. government bond yields generally tend to peak well before the last Fed rate hike. And the second is, if you look at equities, the outlook is a bit more mixed. Policy pivots during past recessionary periods have generally led to equity markets declining, regardless of, of rate, rate cuts. 
So when we look at the history and what it tells us, it tells us it further supports our preference for rebalancing into high-quality investment-grade corporate bonds. Thanks. And, and I suppose, finally, I want to touch on the related point uh, to this whole yield and Fed discussion, which is the US dollar. Now, recently, it seems to be taking a bit of a breather. And sterling is the other currency that stands out just in terms of the rapidity of its recovery. Uh, so maybe with that context within the FX world, where's your top trade today? Well, GBP has been extremely volatile over the past month, which is not surprising given that uh, you know we've seen a lot going on in the political landscape. Uh, but it's also important to acknowledge that the recent strength that we have seen in the pound is not only due to the better market confidence in in the new government, but also due to the uh, to, due to the recent broad-based U.S. dollar weakness. Now, following the rebound that we've seen since the resignation of Lister's government, uh, we've seen the currency move back into the prior downtrend ranges, which suggests that you know an end to a political uncertainty in the short term could lead to a retest of 1.15 to 1.17 resistance that has been there uh, in place for a while. But, you know, from a medium term perspective, we still think that uh, some of the fundamental challenges do persist. So the uh, the ongoing trend is likely to cause a move back towards 1.08 to 1.10 range on a 12 month horizon. Okay, I think we'll, we'll bring it to a close there. Uh, thanks very much, Abilash, for helping guide our listeners in these volatile times and explaining why we still believe a 3 R strategy remains attractive. Thank you, listeners, of course, for joining us. Um, before we close, I'd like to remind you once again that in addition to these monthlies, we have recorded a, a series of Through the Noise mini-series uh, mini of podcasts where we've discussed different areas of our fourth quarter outlook in detail. So please do have a listen if you haven't done so already for some longer-term context and, and how we believe investors should act. So we'll end it there. Uh, thanks again for listening and we wish you a successful week ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.